Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Colossians. We are in Colossians chapter 3 once again. We are in verses 20 and 21. And remember, we are looking at these three relationships that we have within our lives that encompass the vast majority of our life. Last week we looked at marriage. This week we will look at parents and children. And the next week we will look at our jobs, our employment, and how we are called to be holy in each of those relationships. So today, as we begin, we will look in Colossians chapter 3. We will begin in verse 5 as we did last week. So hear the word of the Lord. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God and whatever you do whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And then down to verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, You have revealed to us in Your Word that those who walk in that Word will be blessed. Show us the path today. Show us where in your word we should walk today so that we might be steadfast in keeping your precepts. So that we might be consistent in keeping your commandments. Give us your spirit to teach us the righteous rules that you have laid down for us so that we might find blessing in righteousness. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Mark Twain is credited with saying, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished by how much he'd learned in those seven years. Someone else has said at one time, a hippie is someone who loves everybody except his parents. We have a breakdown of respect for authority in our culture. We see it all around us, whether it's our uh, our employers, our bosses at work, whether it's 
It's the police officers that are tasked with protecting us and serving us in our culture, whether it's the way in which we interact and talk about our political situation, there is a culture-wide breakdown of authority. And it can be traced to one place, and that is the breakdown of authority within the family. Parents who do not respect authority raise children who do not respect authority. In Genesis chapter 2 and 3, after marriage, God ordained the family parents and children as the basis of all authority and all culture in creation. And today Paul reminds us as we consider the relationship between children and between parents or specifically fathers, Paul reminds us that we work out our holiness in our day-to-day life as we relate between children and parents. So the first thing Paul tells to us today is to children obey your parents. For this is pleasing to the Lord. Obey your parents in everything. The word translated here, obey, implies a learning or listening in order to put into action. Obedience involves learning from our parents in order to put into action what they teach us. Now, there are different phases in a child's life, and and I'm going to look at three phases, although the first phase could be broken down Uh, by one author into three phases, but we're just going to cover three main phases instead of five. But the first phase is childhood itself, and this usually runs from birth to 11-ish or 12-ish. And this phase for children is to be marked by obedience. Now, a child in this stage of development is required to submit to their parents' commands without question and willingly. Now, this is a learning stage as well. The child is learning that his or her parents care for him or her and that the parents can be trusted. This is a phase in which children are given the basic moral framework in which to live their lives. We know that there are blessings for we learn as a child that there are blessings for obedience and there are consequences for disobedience. Mom and dad say, honey, don't touch the hot stove. The blessing for obedience is an unburned hand. The bless, the curse for disobedience is, unfortunately, a burned hand. The child is learning a basic framework in childhood for how to interpret the world. And, and of course, the parent's role, which we'll talk about this here in a few minutes, is to place this framework in place in light of the scriptures. Hopefully the child is learning at this point that even obedience to the parent should be marked by a knowledge of Scripture. So that if the parent calls you to do something that violates Scripture, the child should step back and do something else. The second phase of childhood is a transition phase. It occurs between the tween years and the teen years. And it is a phase that should be marked not only by obedience, but by respect. And parents, can I get an amen? This can be a horrible time of life. The child at this point is beginning to get his or her feet underneath her. God has designed the child at this point in life to begin questioning things. Do your your tween or teenage children question you? Well, they're designed to do that. 
They're designed to begin to take the foundational elements of the rules and regulations that the parents have given them through the scripture and to begin to apply them to larger scale issues. They are to be they are beginning to seek their independence from their parents while still being mostly dependent. How often do we hear the question, you've asked me to do X, Y or Z, what's my motivation? What are you going to pay me to do that? And then they have to be reminded, well, supper tonight, breakfast tomorrow, lunch tomorrow. Um, Do you like sleeping inside? You know, those types of things. They're they're trying to seek to assert their independence, hopefully in a respectful way, while still being very dependent. Why do they respect during this time? What should they respect? They should respect the fact that their parents have knowledge and experience that the child do not yet have. They should respect the fact that your mom and dad are honestly trying to do the best that they absolutely can to raise you, as we'll look at later, in the fear and admonition of the Lord. You should respect your parents because they love and care for you. You should respect your parents because they're human, just like you. And this is a progressive realization that occurs in the transition stage. In childhood, your parents seem to have everything together. They can do no wrong. Everything they do is right and they walk upon streets of gold. And as you age and get a little bit of life experience under your belt, you begin to realize that your parents struggle with work, with finances, and yes, with you. They deserve your respect because God has told you to honor your parents even in this time as you transition. The child is to respectfully make their case for independence yet still submit to the authority of their parents. The third stage is the maturity stage. This is the longest stage in a child's life and most of us in in this room are in the maturity stage. It's the age from early 20s until death, either of the parents or of the child. This can, be meant, this can be the most painful stage for a child. As we watch our parents age, as we watch our parents struggle, as we realize, if we're honest with ourselves, the pain we put them through, through that transition phase. It's a stage where we as children may be placed in a position to care for our parents as they did for us in the childhood stage. And that is what marks this particular stage. It is marked by care. Obedience looks different. Respect looks a little different in this in this phase, but it's marked by care. It's marked by potentially taking care of your parents as they age. It's marked by caring enough to listen to your parents as they bring you advice because they've been where you're going and they know the choices that you have. It's caring enough to set your your pride aside and sometimes take that advice, even though you may not think it best. We are called to obey our parents in everything that we do. Why? Because it is pleasing to God. Now, our goal in life should be to pursue pleasing God. And that goes for each and every one of us in this room. 
That is part of what it means in the first question of the shorter catechism to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us that to be living sacrifices pleases the Lord. Ephesians 5, 10 calls us to discern in every moment of our life what is pleasing to God. And Hebrews 13, 21 tells us that God is working in us by the power of his spirit, that which pleases him. And so to the Christian child, do you struggle with obedience and honor to your parents? The Holy Spirit is working that in you today. And the reality is each and every one of us in this room has been or is a child of a parent. And each and every one of us in this room has failed miserably at obeying or honoring our parents. But thanks be to God, Luke 2.51 tells us that Jesus obeyed his parents perfectly those areas where he struggled with, where we struggle with obedience, those areas where we struggled with respect. And even as he died on the cross, he took time to care for his mother. He did all of those things perfectly so that we, as disobedient children, deserving of God's displeasure, could be covered by the righteousness of Christ, could be covered by his grace, by his obedience as we embrace his work on our behalf. So children, obey your parents. Fathers, love your children. Now, moms, I'm going to talk to dads specifically here today, but don't think you're off the hook. This is one of those plural words that shows up in the masculine in the original language and could possibly be translated parents, not just fathers. But fathers, we are the heads of our household. And so I'm going to pick on us today. As fathers, we are called to develop holiness in our relationship to our children as well. Specifically, what Paul says is, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. It's hard to interact with other people in a household. It's hard to interact with children in your household. It's hard to interact with children who oftentimes exhibit your negative characteristics writ small. And the temptation often is, as children develop and as children grow up and as we seek to raise our children and teach them the things that we know that we know we are supposed to teach them, the temptation is to get very frustrated, to get very angry, to look at those words of sins that Paul lists for us earlier in the passage. Put off sins such as these anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. And those in the life of a father oftentimes show themselves most readily in their relationship with their children. About the 19,000th time your child asks you why, you want to just go, shut up because I said so. The 20,000th time your child has disobeyed when you tell them to put stuff away and listen to their mother. It's very easy to rage. Maybe you don't rage physically, but to rage verbally. 
It's very easy to get angry with our children and to embitter them. To produce children who follow a moralistic set of rules. Instead of being raised, as the Ephesians passage says, instead of being raised in the teaching, in the admonition, in the fear of the Lord. We are to train our children, fathers. We are to raise them up, not to be moral little monsters, but to be people who know their sin and seek forgiveness at the foot of the cross. How do we raise our children in the fear of the admonition of the Lord? We begin to get a hint of this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. The first thing Moses, God through Moses, tells the Israelites here is that they are to love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul. And with all their strength, Jesus tells us in his ministry that this is the first commandment. The greatest commandment is to love your God. Fathers, do you love God? Have you realized the depth of your sinfulness, the depth of your depravity? And have you approached God's throne begging him for forgiveness? Begging him to cover you with the righteousness of Jesus? To change your heart so that instead of loving yourself, you love God. Fathers, do you love God? Secondly, he said, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Do you know the commandments of God? Fathers, do you study the scriptures? Fathers, do you commit the scriptures to memory? Fathers, do you seek to understand more and more? The word of God and how God calls us to live. Psalm 119, it's the longest song in the Psalter. And yet it is a listing of the benefits of knowing the word of God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Are you having troubles making decisions? Are you having trouble knowing what the will of God is for your life and your family's life? What does the scripture say? What does the scripture call you to do? Do you know the the words that will illuminate the path? Have you committed the commands of God to your own heart before you seek, seek to teach them to your children? Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Does the scripture that you have committed to your heart, does it provide seasoning for your language does it provide seasoning for the words that you give honey i have your best interest at heart and your best interest is that you learn to glorify god and enjoy him forever god calls us to obey so that we might have benefits so that we might have blessing in our life And God tells us that when we fail, he has provided salvation for us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
Is your discipline seasoned by the words of God? Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, for the Israelites, they literally did this. They had things that they tied to their forehead that had verses of Scripture within them. They would tie it to their hands. They had boxes nailed to the doorpost of their home. But what God is saying here through Moses is, is every aspect of your life shaped by the word of God, by the truth, by the commands that God has revealed to you in his word. We'll talk about this next week, but is your work shaped by your view of scripture and how God has shaped you through scripture is are your hobbies shaped by how God has changed you through scripture is your relationship with your wife shaped by how God has revealed himself in scripture is every aspect of your life soaked in the law and in the commandments of God if so move into parenting And if not, work on those things as you move into parenting. Don't stop parenting if those things are not true of you. But start working on the two together. And honestly, your family will either break you or drive you to God. Your family will either cause you to crumble in despair or it will drive you to the feet of the cross to find hope to find grace, and to find strength. So what are some practical things that we can do? Parents, pray for your children. Pray for them every day. Pray specifically for them. Pray for their schooling. Pray for their future relationships. Pray for their friendships today. Pray for their struggles. Pray for everything that you know that they are going through. This one's a little convicting for me because I've been sporadic at it throughout the life of my children, but family devotions. Do you read the scripture with your children? Do you seek to teach the scripture to your children or do you leave that to me? If you're just leaving that to me, then you're falling short. It's not bad that you are having them in church. It's great. It is good. But they need to see it reflected in home. Are you teaching them to discern how to consume things of this world, whether culture or entertainment? Are you teaching them an ethic of work that glorifies God, not just for the sake of being a good employee, but for working as to for working to God for men as to God? Excuse me, I'll have that straightened out by next week. Are you showing them how the word of God applies to every area of your life? You know, there's no instructions for plumbing in the Bible. There are instructions for being a godly plumber. Are you showing them how the Bible applies to their friendships? Are you showing them how the Bible applies to their schooling? Are you showing them how the Bible applies to what they choose to watch or to read or to listen to? And are you seeking forgiveness when we mess up? Because we will, fathers, frequently if we're honest with ourselves? Are you showing what it looks like to seek forgiveness for sin? We are called to be fathers who do not embitter 
or discourage our children as we seek to raise them in the fear and in the admonition of the Lord. And we're to do so in the light of how God has revealed himself to us. As my youngest son wraps up or has wrapped up his junior year in high school and in, and begins his senior year in high school, I almost said end your senior year in high school, but I don't want to declare that quite yet. I've been struck by the shortness of the last 23 years, almost 24. It has gone like that. I can see my child placed in my hands by a doctor or nurse, all three of them, all distinctly, all remembering just like yesterday that moment. How do I live life now as a parent to aging children or to maturing children? They're not, well, in, in all reality, they are aging. It's the, the joy of life. You know, I'm still involved. I still pray. I still give advice. I remember somewhere between the time I graduated from college and I, and I married my wife, my dad pulled me aside and he said, look, you're an adult now. I thought that had happened at 18, but apparently he had a different view of that. He said, you're an adult now. And our relationship was changing and has changed. I still have access to you whenever I want. I can call you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and I expect you to answer the phone. And I can see what you're going through and what you are struggling with and where your family is going, and I have wisdom to give to that. And you have to listen. Oh, man, I miss that. Sorry. I really miss it. But he said, you don't have to follow it, but you have to listen. Because I'm your dad and I always will be. On occasion, I'll still give advice, and yep, the bad news is, boys, occasionally I'm still going to lecture you too. For both children and parents, the goal is to remember that the believer, the chosen and beloved one, is holy. Obeying your parents is a step in becoming the person of God that you are. Lovingly parenting our children is a step in putting on those clothes of holiness. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for parents. I thank you for fathers. Give us the strength to parent well. Give our children the strength to obey and honor well. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.